Good morning and welcome to the NCSA Mental Health Worship for this morning. My name is Nandi Fleming and I will be your host for this morning's talk. Before we start, let us open with a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you that you are gracious and compassionate and long-suffering towards your children and that you have loved us and that you will continue to love us until the day that we see you coming on the clouds of heaven and many days after. Lord, you are so faithful and we can only thank you and praise you for your love and your endurance towards us, our erring, your erring children. Um, Lord, thank you that within our weakness, you still contend with us and that you give us your strength so that we can keep running, so that we can keep swimming, so that we can keep doing the things of life that we need to do. Lord, bless us now as we gain strength from your word this morning is my prayer in your name. Amen. Our verse for contemplation this morning comes out of the book of Psalms, chapter 94, verse 19, and it says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. The title for my talk this morning is Go Back to Where You First Saw the Light. Have you ever said or thought the words, man, I wish I could just die? I recall numerous days in my life where I'd pray to the Lord and I'd say to him, won't you just take my life? Just let me slip peacefully away in my sleep and not wake up. Then there had been really bad days where I wished, you know, even somebody else might do the honors and simply take my life, maybe a burglar or a mob during one of those famous South African riots. And then there were particularly dark days where I had thoughts of self-harm and even suicide crept into my mind. It was always just thoughts. I never really had plans or actions to complete these thoughts. But looking back on those dark days, it made me realize that there are some really dark days that we have to go through in life as the people here on this earth. Um, and they leave us feeling very hopeless and sometimes even scared. Days where we feel alone in this world, very isolated from everyone and everything. And perhaps like David, you have prayed to the Lord in Psalms 193 verse 23 to 24. And you've said to him, Lord, know my heart, see my anxious thoughts. Um, to, to, to show the Lord and to tell the Lord, you know, I'm alone. I, I don't feel well. See the anxiety of my heart. Perhaps you have felt abandoned and pushed aside with no one to turn to. I remember when I was in college, there was a specific time of my life where I felt very alone, where I had troubles that I was going through and I felt like I had no one to talk to. And I remember at that stage taking my phone and going into my phone book directory and paging down all the names and numbers. And I had hundreds of numbers and, and I paged through all of them. And every single name that I went through, I felt like no one was there that I could talk to. There was nobody on that list um, amongst my family, amongst my friends that I could call upon. And you know, a lot of times we feel this way. We feel abandoned in the troubles of this life, like there's no one to turn to. And we face these difficulties and it seems like there's no solution. Um, it's a time of our life where we can't see a way out and the confusion of life is extremely overwhelming. Have you ever been in a place where you've experienced so much pain and you struggle to cope that you feel that life just isn't worth it? And it kind of leaves this bitter aftertaste, you know. And perhaps you too have asked the question, is life really worth living for? Is there anything in this life worth living for? 
uh, or perhaps you know because of all of this you've wished for a fresh start saying you know this life that I'm living now is not worth living for but perhaps if I had a different life perhaps if I could have a fresh start um, or perhaps if I could just you know leave and go and live somewhere on an island where nobody knows me and and start over then maybe life would worth be worth living maybe then then I can see you know the light at the end of the tunnel again maybe today that is where you are at maybe living life and you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel perhaps this pandemic and covid-19 has shaken your world and it's important that at the end of it all that you do find the light and that you keep going but maybe right now you don't you you're not able to you you can't find that strength inside of you to say i, I really just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel but there is this this wish inside of you that that there could be hope but you just don't see it Today's topic that we're going to talk about is something that we don't speak of often. It's a reality that many of God's people within his churches face. And we pretend that we're all okay on the inside while we are withering away on the inside. I think most people at some stage or another in their life has been faced with thoughts and feelings of wanting to die. wanting to just really escape the pain of this life and the confusion and the stress and 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 not really finding that hope that is available to us. So the question that I want to address today is what can keep us going through these particular dark moments of life? What is the solution to the pain, the hopelessness, the isolation and the confusion? Having this type of anxiety where life is so confusing and it seems that there's no escape. Um now when you feel this way when you are experiencing these feelings i can tell you that these feelings and thoughts are like no other and if you haven't gone through them you really won't understand what this involves and and the problem is is that within the world and within our churches specifically there's a silence and a stigma um surrounding these feelings of i want to die and i don't want to live life anymore and it's just too much for me and i'm not coping we don't talk about it we don't talk about the fact that we're not coping and and that we can't see a way out of our trials and our tribulations and this really ends up that we end up being very isolated because we don't talk about it we don't feel that we're safe to be able to talk about it and i want to encourage you that if this is how you're feeling today find somebody to talk to don't go through it alone um if you can't trust people go to god speak to him um and and lay your burdens before his door but but it's really true that with people around us there's the stigma and it's a it's a silent thing that we don't speak about And what we go through is we end up feeling very alone. We feel that we can't sort through this mess on us in our own strength and in our own and we end up feeling very isolated. But I do want to assure you that you're not in this fight alone. There's a song that we like to sing that says someone is praying for you. Someone is praying for you. And and you know you might not be able to imagine that right now there is someone out there in this world that is praying for you but I can tell you that there is Um I remember a while back in my life you know when I was going through a day where it was a down day a off day a day where I'd woken up bad and there were just things that were bothering me and and I kind of felt like I was all alone and I believe it was God's providence that somebody sent me a text and said to me I don't know why but I felt impressed this morning to pray for you and I want to let you know that I've prayed for you and that whatever it is that you're going through that 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 I have laid your burdens before God's feet and and I felt that this was really God that impressed this person to pray for me during this time and I believe that there's someone praying to you for you 
And and if you can't believe that there is an earthly friend doing this for you, I want to bring you to a Bible story that demonstrates that it's not just earthly friends that can be praying for us. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 32, Jesus is speaking to Simon Peter and he says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each one of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back and you have been strengthened, go and strengthen your brothers also. Jesus declares to Simon that he has prayed for him, that he knows that Simon is going through times of tribulations. And Jesus knows that his um, disciples were facing many trials and tribulations. And he says that he had prayed for them. Um, Jesus prayed for Simon and Jesus is praying for you right now. You might not believe me. Um, but if you go and look at the Bible, Romans 8 verse 34 and throughout the sanctuary um, um, service, it tells us that God is making intercession for us, that Jesus Christ is interceding for us. Romans 8 34 says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And right now, that's today. Right now, on this Saturday, he is sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand side, pleading for us pleading for you. In other words, Jesus is at God the Father's right hand side right now and he is talking to God the Father about you, pleading for you, pleading for your cause. The other translations say he's making intercession for us in the heavenly sanctuary. Um, Jesus is pleading on our behalf. You are on his mind right now. I recall in the Bible that, you know, there were Bible characters who also went through times of tribulation where they felt that life's troubles were just too much and that they would rather just die. I recall the story of Job feeling that the weights of life were crushing in around him to the point of death. I'd like to read for you Job chapter 3 verse 20 to 26 to give you some insight into his thoughts. It says, oh, why give life to those in misery? He's busy talking to God, by the way. He says, and life to those who are bitter. They long for death and it won't come. They search for death eagerly, um, more than hidden treasure. They are filled with, sorry, they're filled with joy when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those who have no future? Um, Those God who are surrounded with difficulties. I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace and no quietness. I have no rest and only troubles. Job's lamentations to God is really, you know, it's it's really heart-wrenching because I think a lot of us can relate to it where we can say, why am I even here? Why am I living this life with so many troubles around me? You know, when I was young, I wished that these things would never come upon my path and I feared that they might and now they have happened. And this is exactly what Job is saying. And many, maybe you have felt the same way had these dark groanings towards God saying, Lord, why, why, why am I here? And why can't I just go and rest and sleep in the grave? Um, When you are faced with this darkness, how are we going to get through it? You see, Job somehow managed to get through it, to get out of it alive, and not just to get out of it alive, to survive, but he managed to prosper in the end and to be happy again, you know, to return to that joy which he first felt in his life. There are things that will carry you through the darkness and you might be surprised that you will find those things in your past, things that have already carried you through through other trials that you have gone through in your life. And the question that I want to ask today is what are the things, even if it is small things that have given you hope in the past, um, that that you were able to to keep going, that carried you through um, um, 
ask yourself, what are these things that have carried you through? Um, when I couldn't keep going. Somebody once said, in times of distress, I wasn't able to do anything. I wasn't able to go to God. I wasn't able to go to church. Um, all I could do at that stage is prayer. And you know what? Sometimes all you have is prayer. And, and, and sometimes that's all you need to carry you through. I remember back in university, um, I was going through a particularly rough time in my life when I felt very alone and isolated. And, and many days I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, my, my days were messed up, I was struggling to study and to concentrate. And, and it felt like I had nothing to carry me through. Um, there were one or two friends that were there once in a blue moon, but when I really needed them, you know, they were doing their own things. And it's not that I couldn't call on them, but I didn't want to disturb them. And and I remember, you know, dreading, you know, this time of my life and asking what's going to carry me through. I felt like I wasn't going to make it. And I recall how I used to walk around in the dead of night, midnight and past midnight on the campus of Helderberg College, um, trying to chase my sleep, but not being able to quiet my mind from all the negativity. And the one thing that I remember that I used to do that I really believe now in retrospect got me through is I used to sing. And there was this one song that I kept singing over and over again. It said, trust in the Lord and don't despair. He is a friend so true. No matter what your troubles are, Jesus will see you through. Sing, 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 sing. When the day is bright, sing through the darkest night everywhere. All the day I will sing, sing, sing. And this song really carried me through. You know, the words resonated in my mind. And I, and I would walk around for hours just, you know, aimlessly, not knowing where I'm going or what I'm doing with all of these thoughts and emotions inside of me. And I would just keep singing this short little chorus over and over again, over and over again. Um, sometimes even while crying until my felt, soul felt at peace and I could finally go to bed exhausted, but at peace. What has carried you through? Has it been those small prayers that you've said along the way? Has it been a song that has been in your heart? Um, has it been that you knew that God was making intercession for you and that he was praying for you? Um, was it a song? There's another song that comes to mind that says, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways that we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide and hold me closely to his side. Some of the songs of these words, the reason we have these songs is exactly for this purpose, to carry us through the darkness, to encourage us, to help us. Be careful of going to these gloomy songs. Um, I recently um, was doing a bit of research on, on, on songs on, on depression and anxiety and people who feel suicidal and, and, and the songs that encourage them. And I came across a blog, an uh, internet page that, that, that gave songs that, that they said encouraged them during the times of, of depression and feeling like life wasn't worth living anymore. And when I went into these songs to try and listen, um, what were these songs about? They were extremely depressing. They were about people. Who, it, it was just be careful of the songs that you listen to. Some of the songs that we tend to go to when we're feeling down actually makes us feel more depressed and actually puts us into danger more than it helps us. But sing those songs that encourage you, that lift up your soul to heaven and that bring you towards the light once again. 
I'm reminded of the story of Paul and Silas when they were in prison. You know, they didn't know whether they were going to die there in that prison, in a dungeon, dark and deep, you know, frightened for their lives. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, while Paul and Silas are sitting there in the prison, um, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening, it says. Uh, Can we during our dark hours of life call upon those songs that we once knew, songs that when we were young we used to sing that we have long forgotten? Sing to the song to the Lord if this is your only thing that you can do. Another song that comes to my mind that brings hope is the song that actually is is, is sung from Psalms 32 verse 7 that says, You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Let the weak say, I am strong in the strength of the Lord. I will trust in you. Many of these songs will bring back into our minds and into our hearts the the, the hope that we have lost. Um, Another thing that perhaps could bring you through this time of darkness is Bible verses that you may have recited when you were younger or Bible stories that have specific meaning to you. Call on those song, on those verses, call on those, those stories um, when you face times of trouble and when you feel like life is not worth it and life is just closing in around you. I'm reminded of the Bible story of Joseph, which has often given me a lot of hope. You see, Joseph was hated by his, by his brothers, nearly killed by them, and then eventually sold as a slave by them. And when he reaches Egypt, it says that he becomes a slave in the house of Potiphar. And he's a good and obedient slave. You see, he wasn't a bad boy. He wasn't somebody that disobeyed God's command and did evil things. Um, And he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. And he's a good slave um, to the point that Potiphar makes him head of his household. One day, Potiphar's wife sees that he's a good, strong and probably very handsome Hebrew young boy. And she tries to seduce him. Um, But being the godly man that he is, he refuses. And in the process, she grabs him. And I think she was trying to rape him. And she tears his cloak off. And in her anger, she screams um, and she shouts until people come. And then she lies about it all. And she tells everybody that he was trying to rape her and that she fought him off. And now look, here's the cloak in her hand as evidence that she fought him off. Um, um, You know, (laughs) and, and I don't know about you, but if... All of this happened, and now Potiphar comes, by the way, and he takes this slave and he throws him in jail. He he, he throws um, Joseph in jail. And I wonder what Joseph must have been thinking at that stage of his life. I don't know about you, but if you were a, a, a lord over a slave and this slave tries to rape your wife, um, what would you do to this slave? I would kill him. But Potiphar doesn't kill him. He throws him in jail. And my question is, why? And my reasoning is, is I think that Potiphar knew that Joseph was innocent. But he couldn't show that. He couldn't show that he believed a slave over his wife. So instead of killing him, he jails him. And and I wondered to myself if anywhere in Joseph's life, he, he looked up towards heaven and he prayed to God and he said, What? What have I done? I haven't left your ways. I have, I've always been a good guy. I've kept your ways. I could have taken part of his wife and I could have slept with her, but I didn't. Uh, my brothers tried to kill me. I'm in, in this mess of a life. Why, Lord? Why? Why have you allowed this? And I wonder if he ever asked this question. 
And now while he's sitting in jail, he interprets the dream of the baker and the cupbearer, and he tells him to think of them when he, when when the baker is uh, when the cupbearer no which one was reinstated, uh, the cupbearer when the cupbearer is reinstated, he says think of me, but the cupbearer forgets him for many years, and he sits and he rots in jail, and then eventually when Pharaoh has a dream, the cupbearer remembers him and he's called out and he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and we know how the story goes. Basically, through a long chain of events, he becomes second in command in Egypt, and he saves the entire Egypt. And the known world back then from starvation and hunger. And he's eventually reunited with his family. And when he is reunited with his family, um, obviously his brothers is very terrified because they thought of all the horrors that they had put him through. And in Genesis chapter 45, verse 4, Joseph declares and he says to them, Please come closer. Um, and then he says to them, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold to Egypt. And they're petrified. They're shaking. But he says to them in verse 5, he says, Now do not be upset or blame yourselves because you sold me here. It was really God who sent me ahead of you to save God's people. In other words, Joseph in retrospect can see the providence of God in his life. He can see that despite all the trials and tribulations and the darknesses and the hardships that he went through, that there was a, a purpose with it all. The Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and do his purposes. In other words, you might not see it right now. You might feel that life is a mess and you can't understand why God's allowing certain things to happen. But in the end, God will make things work out and he will use those things to your benefit. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord for help will be strengthened and renewed. They will rise on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow weak. Perhaps some of these verses will be able to carry you through. Psalms 116 says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. Perhaps it is a song or a verse or a prayer or, or something that is carrying you through. Perhaps it's memories of the better times that you once had and the hope that things will return to normal. Perhaps you're holding on to the hope that God is working actively to restore this earth and relationships to its former ways. Perhaps the thing that will carry you through during this darkness is a friend or a person or somebody that you're close to. Um, an anchor, somebody that can hold you while the storms of life are raging. Um, I remember my granddad used to be my anchor when I was a young child. Um, he died at the age when I was around six years old. But I always used to think of him as a godly man, a calm man, a content man. And that is why he was able to carry me through the tough times. Because when I went through these tough times, I used to think of him. And this gave me peace that I could think of him. Um, and I, I said to myself, I want to be the same. I want to be able in the storms of life like him, be godly, calm and content. Sometimes we must call on friends. We must call on people that can assist us and be there for us. Um, when it seems that there's no way out, when all hope is lost, go to that place, to that memory, to that thing, to that person that recalibrates you. What do I mean with recalibrates you? Remember that you said that sometimes in life, you know, we just wish that we can have a fresh start, that life holds no meaning and purpose anymore. But if you could start over again, then maybe it will have meaning again. There are things that can recalibrate us. And the things that I've mentioned so far are some of those things that can recalibrate us. It, 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 it's, it's that thing that, that, that helps us to start fresh again. 
There's a saying that goes, go to where you first saw the light. In the Bible, there's the story of Jacob, Jacob who left his home in Canaan. And when he reaches Bethel, he's busy running for his life, by the way, from his brother Esau, who wants to kill him. And he goes and he lives with his uncle. But on his way there, he stops at Bethel. And there at Bethel, God gives him a dream where he sees angels descending on a ladder from heaven down to earth. And at the top of the ladder, he sees the throne of God and God himself. And in this dream, God blesses him and promises him prosperity and a future. And when he awakes, he makes a covenant with God and he calls the place the gate of heaven. And he makes a promise to God that God will always be his God. And then he goes and he lives his life and he grows his life. But many years later, he's running for his life again, but this time from his uncle because his uncle wouldn't let him go. And and he takes his belongings and his wives and he runs back. And now he's going back to Canaan. And now he's between a rock and a hard place because on the one end is Esau who wants to kill him. On the other end is his uncle who wants to kill him. And and, and he's running from his father Lord in law to his brother and 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 he, I, I don't know he must have felt very distressed and the bible tells us that before he goes to meet his brother because he hears that his brother is on his way and his brother is coming with a massive army with a massive host of people and it says that before he sends he, he crosses over to the river he sends his family ahead of him and there at bethel the place where he first met his god where he first made a covenant with the lord there he spends the night alone he goes back to the place where he first saw sees the light where he had that dream and it says that night god comes and he meets him he gives him that that recalibration that he needs him needed he gives him that fresh start and it says that god wrestles with him throughout the night to the point that when the sun comes up jacob refuses to let him go he holds on to God and God says, let me go. And he refuses. And it says that, that God even injured him to force him to let him go. But Jacob refuses. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And God does. And he changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And, and he blesses him. And he promises him prosperity again. He says, you will have that life that I promised you again. Sometimes we need to go back to where we met God again. And we need to meet him again. And sometimes we need to wrestle with him again and refuse to let him go until we say, Lord, bless me and give me that future that you promised me. Even though I'm in fear and I'm in despair, I will not let you go until you bless me and give me hope. We need hope. You see, we do face death and we do face thoughts of death in our life and we do sometimes feel hopeless. And when a person dies and they are buried, we go to their graves and we see the headstone, the tombstone that is there. And usually upon the grave, upon the tombstone, there is two dates, a date of the person's birth and a date of their death. But in between these two dates, there is a dash. There's a little line, a small insignificant line, a little dash that comprises the entirety of a person's life that demarcates the life that this person had lived in between these two dates today you are still living in this dash and I want to encourage you and say make this dash count go back to where you first saw the light make this dash fresh if you need to recalibrate start again if you have to ask God to bless you again if you have to while you are in this dash there are some of you today who you are still living life and you can live life now. Um, you can live that vision that you had when you were younger. Chase it again. Place yourself in that situation where you first felt hope, where you first felt passion and inspiration and, 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 and had a vision for the future. 
Some of us are in this dash, but some of us have experienced what we call a semicolon in life. Um, a semicolon is like a comma, but it has a little dot at the top. And this little dot with a comma at the bottom, this little semicolon, represents a life that should have ended, but it has continued despite attempts of suicide, despite attempts and threats on your life where you should have died, tragedies that you have gone through which should have claimed your life, but it hasn't yet claimed your life by the grace of God. And you have lived a semicolon, and now the dash needs to continue. And you're still here. We need to celebrate that dash that we are still in. We need to celebrate that semicolon to say, life has not claimed me yet. I am still alive. And really, that's every one of us, because many of us should have died long ago. Many of us have been in life-threatening situations where we felt like life just had to end. Oscar Wilde says that to live is the rarest thing in this world. Did you hear that? To live is the rarest thing in this world because most people only exist. It's because we feel that there's nothing left to live for. We need to find that thing that is worth living for. And I want to tell you that that's God. But you see, we, we, we need to learn to live again. We are scared to take a chance to do that wild and wonderful thing that is sitting up here in your head and in your heart. We end up losing out on life and life becomes a drag, a place where we just exist and really isn't worth living. And sometimes we wish that we had taken life so seriously. I remember when my young years, I wish I hadn't taken my life so seriously. I wish I'd lived more and not been afraid to make mistakes. There's a quote that says, an aimless life is a living death. If you've been living an aimless life and you feel that life is not worth living and trials and tribulations has come as a result of this and you just feel like life has no hope, go and find that something that makes life worth living for. Go recalibrate. Um, it might not be earthly things or people because sometimes they disappoint us. But you see, God and God's ways are worth living for. There is a divine purpose that God has placed on your life, a divine calling that he has called you to live for. And that's worth living. And that will bring fulfillment and joy in your life again. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God declares over your life. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a future and to give you hope. My prayer for you is that you will find God in your despair and that he will be your hiding place. I want to play for you in closing a song that speaks about this hiding place. Internet is taking a little while. It's going to play now. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
the Pastoral Counseling Department of the NCSA invites you to join our daily mental health devotions. You can subscribe by WhatsApping the word yes to plus two seven eight three six five eight four two nine six. Broadcasts will be sent out directly to your phone each morning at eight AM. Topics are centered on biblical and psychological guidance to achieve good mental health and a balanced lifestyle despite the trials and crises of life. If you are interested in receiving these daily WhatsApp audio devotions straight to your phone, then WhatsApp the word yes to plus two seven eight three six five eight four two nine six. And now May your darkness turn to light as the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in His wings.